Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back, my lovelies. And if this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. This is the first episode that I've recorded in about six months. I just had a look back and episode 80 was in back in March. And wow, what a time this has been over the summer over in North America here. And I am just so grateful for all of the new experiences, new people that I've met this year. I have been, if you've been following along on my Instagram, I've been traveling all over the world for the last nine months or so, starting in Australia, then back to Canada, and then a bunch of trips throughout USA. And I took a little hiatus from recording the podcast because I wanted to spend some time and energy building new relationships, networking, getting myself out of my comfort zone, getting back into travel again, but also rebuilding my website and creating some virtual courses that are going to be dropping next week for you guys. So you'll definitely have to stay tuned. If you're not already subscribed to my email list, definitely check that out. You can find it at sandrajoe.com forward slash links, and then you can see how you can subscribe to my email list. And you can also subscribe to, or sorry, follow me on Instagram at makethatmoney.honey. And I am just so excited to be back. I have been thinking about this podcast for the last week or so, and I have been compilating the content for it because I've been going through my own personal transition phase in the last little bit. And I'm recording this on the same day that it's going to be published. So it's a Wednesday, September 13th. And the last week and a half, I've had some really crazy epiphanies. So as we're in the middle of September, September, I find really is one of my favorite months. It's such a transitional month. And even though now I'm 36 years old, I always remember back to being a child when you go back to school and it's like that back to school mentality, summer's over, back to life, you know, after Labor Day, everybody sort of buckles down and gets their life back in order after going balls to the wall. Okay, maybe that's not the best saying, but going bananas over summer and spending a little bit too much money, eating a little bit too much unhealthy food drinking excessively, maybe not exercising as much as they'd like to, putting on a couple extra pounds, and also just being a little bit more slack in terms of work mode. So this podcast today is going to be covering all of those topics. It's going to be covering health, relationships, finances, and career. So if you are new to listening, thank you so much for being here. Stay tuned. Listen to the whole episode. I strongly encourage you to stick around for it. And I would love if you could 
follow it, whether you're on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, give it a follow up at the top corner, the top left corner, if you go back to the show. And if you do love this podcast, I would love if you could give me a five-star rating or a five-star review, because all of those reviews help push this podcast out to new listeners and give them the feedback that they need in order to understand if this is going to be something that they want to listen to in the future. So without further ado, let's dive in to one of my favorite topics, something that I have formerly been so passionate about, but have maybe taken a little step back from this year, and that is health and fitness. So health and fitness, I'll begin by starting by saying this summer, and by summer I mean the entire year because really I was in Australia for the summer from January to April. But this year, I have really allowed myself to let loose, have fun. There's been no rules. There's been no plan in terms of health and fitness. I've just been winging it. And I've sort of relied on my genetics. I've always had really good genetics in terms of, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, genetics or muscle memory. And I've always just sort of thought I can eat whatever I want. I don't have to diet. I don't have to watch my weight, anything like that, because I've been an athlete my whole life and did competitive sport growing up. So this was something that I just sort of used as my fallback plan. And what I really started to realize is that as you get into your mid thirties or as you start to age, your body just does not respond the same way that it used to. So you're used to going out drinking and all of a sudden your hangovers used to be, you know, go from a few hours on a Sunday when you're in your early 20s to full week hangovers when you're in your 30s. And if you're in your 30s and you're listening, you're like, oh yeah, I feel that. So these hangovers obviously lead to a lack of motivation. They lead to unhealthy eating habits. Usually when we're hungover, we're not going to healthy salad bars or cooking vegetables. We're eating burgers and fries or chicken wings and beer, or we're having that Caesar or something like that in order to help us bounce back. So it's a bit of a ripple effect that when we are unhealthy in one area of our life, it has this ripple effect into other areas. So if we're drinking a lot, if we're smoking a lot of weed, which are two of my personal vices that I wouldn't say I ever had a problem with, but you don't know you have a problem with it until you stop and then you go through these crazy withdrawal symptoms. So if you've been following along on my Instagram stories lately, you'll know that I quit smoking weed and drinking alcohol cold turkey right after Labor Day And I went through these crazy withdrawals and I'm not talking like headaches and migraines. I'm talking full body withdrawals where it sent me into emotional spirals. And I never knew that smoking weed on a regular basis was so powerful in how I showed up in my life, in my business, in my relationships, in my fitness, because it didn't seem to affect me the next day, but I wasn't realizing that it actually was having a huge impact on my personal motivation and my get up and go, so so you call it. So I quit cold turkey, and I really just sat with my feelings. I sat in the discomfort. I was trying to manage myself so that I wasn't lashing out on people. I was feeling this deep sadness and loneliness and 
sense of disconnect because my friends were all out drinking last weekend. I felt like I wanted to go, but then I really wanted to stick to this. I went to the tennis club and watched a tennis tournament and everybody there was drinking beers and pitchers of margaritas and things. And it was really nice weather. And obviously when it's nice weather, the, the first thing we want to do is sit on a patio and have some drinks with our friends. So it was a really tough mental challenge to get myself back into the swing of things, full throttle, quitting everything cold turkey, because I'm not one of those people that can just like do things in moderation. If I do it, I have to go all in. And I replaced drinking and smoking weed with exercise. So I started playing more tennis. I started going to the gym. I went for a bike ride and was starting to really feel excited about working out again. And I haven't felt excited about working out in a really long time. It's basically been since pre-COVID. I have just felt like I really have to drag myself to get to the gym. I have just lost all motivation. I just found it so boring getting there. So it was pretty exciting feeling to just be like, oh my God, you know what? It's time. I'm going to just quit cold turkey. I'm going to tell myself that I enjoy working out. I'm going to tell myself that I want to be fit again and I deserve to be fit again and that my body and health are important to me. So I started working out full time again last week. And then on Sunday, I went for my first outdoor road cycling adventure in months. I probably haven't been since the start of the summer. And I ended up having a beautiful ride. And on the way home, a pedestrian walked out in front of me and from between two cars. And I was on the bike path and I was totally in the zone, listening to music, flying along. I was probably going 25 Ks an hour, which is like, I don't know, 14, 15 miles an hour. And I swerved to avoid hitting this guy. Now, keep in mind, had I hit him, people say, oh, you should just hit him. Um, Had I hit him, we both would have ended up in hospital. He probably would have broken bones. I probably would have broken bones. I swerved to avoid him and my tire went down this little like sort of edge. It went off the edge of the bike path. I went flying. The pedestrian was totally fine. He helped me get back up and I lay on the grass, just absolutely bawling my eyes out for 20 minutes, waited for my mom to come pick me up. And for the last three days, I have been in excruciating pain. I've got road rash all over my body. Um, I re-injured my right shoulder, which is almost the exact same fall that I had in 2013 when I crashed a motorcycle at 90 Ks an hour. And luckily for me, I was wearing full leathers then. But this time, unfortunately, I was only wearing a helmet, which saved my head because I did smash my head into the concrete. And um, I went to my doctor yesterday and she said, oh, you should have gone to the hospital because you definitely needed stitches on your elbow. But, you know, stubborn little me didn't want to go to the hospital. So here we are, spent the day in physio in therapy and at the doctor's office yesterday and was just coming out of it feeling honestly feeling grateful because on Sunday I felt like I hit rock bottom and I hit rock bottom usually about once a year. Last year it was right after Christmas when I had had COVID, an eye infection, and then my appendix removed and had news that my brother and his wife were separating all within like a four week period over the Christmas holidays. So I was in rock bottom then and shortly after I hit rock bottom every time within like a week or so, I always pull myself out far beyond what I'm capable of doing where when I don't hit rock bottom. And I think it's, I don't know what, what you believe in, whether it's God, the universe or whatever, but it is usually a sign 
that it is time to snap out of it, of whatever kind of funk that you're in, and reassess what your priorities are. So that was that moment for me. And the interesting thing about having this aha moment is it forces you into massive action. And I saw a photo of myself from Labor Day weekend, which was, you know, three or four days before, or sorry, the weekend before. And I was the heaviest I've ever been. It looked like I was four months pregnant in the position that I was sitting in. I felt bloated. I felt uncomfortable. I was drinking to excess. I was smoking weed. And then when I smoke weed, I eat everything in front of me in the house. And I just felt like I was in denial about the position that I was in. And I had this like moment where I had a meltdown and was physically in pain because of this accident. I was physically shameful of the fact that I'd really let myself go over the summer and have never really let myself go ever in my life. I've always been for the most part, the same size. I might fluctuate five pounds up or down, but not really anything significant. And this is the first time that I've actually hit the highest weight that I've ever hit. And it was not only that, but I was having some emotional issues in my personal life. I was, I had just received notice from my landlord that they were moving back. They want to move back into my apartment in December. And I've lived in this place for three years. I really feel like this is my sanctuary. And it just sent me into a frenzy over the weekend. I was absolutely bawling my eyes out on Sunday for like four hours. I had to pull over in my car on my way home from my mom's house because she picked me up after my cycling accident. And I was just crying into a towel that was on my back seat, a dog towel that was on my back seat. And I couldn't even finish my drive home. And for the for those of you that don't know the distance, it's like 20 minutes. So my parents live about 13 kilometers from my house. Um, so I pulled over, I was bawling, and I got home and I just lay there in stillness. And I thought to myself, enough is enough. I am waiting for somebody to save me, whether it be physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, I was just sort of like in denial about the fact that I am the only person responsible for my own life, for my own future, for the way I feel every day. And there's no one else, not my personal trainer, not my therapist, not my mom, not a future partner that is ever going to be able to make me feel the way that I can make myself feel. And I just want that to let that sink in, you to let that sink in for a second, because there are so many people that started messaging me after I was posting my Instagram stories about what I was doing last week in terms of weight loss, quitting cold turkey, basically telling myself that I was sick of my own excuses And I just sat with it. I sat with my emotions. I was texting with a couple of friends. I ended up having a video call with one of my closest friends over in Australia, Mara Pamana. And we haven't spoken to each other in months. And it's amazing. I'm so grateful for her. It's amazing how when you have a true friend, they can say things to you with honesty that will not offend you, that will snap you out of your funk and make you realize that you are so much more valuable and capable and strong than you think you are because they know that you they know what's possible for you in your life. And 
sometimes it can be really hard to believe it. I had another phone call with another friend of mine, actually my video editor and one of my close friends who has been with me since the very beginning in my business, uh, Vitantonio Spinelli. And I just, I just want to give a massive shout out to a couple of people on this podcast because they have been so fundamental in helping me shape who I am and helping me get through some of the most challenging times of my life, starting a new business, leaving Australia and moving home during COVID against my will. And we don't have to do these transitions alone. You know, we can lean on people in our life that we know are capable and willing to show up for us because it can be very exhausting to try and do this all yourself. And especially when you're doing something so intense, like quitting an addiction or changing the way you see the world, whether you're going to therapy or you're trying a new cognitive behavioral therapy technique or starting a new career. We have this ego mentality that we have to do life alone or we're not strong. And that is complete BS. We do not, we are creatures of community and we are creatures of relationships we don't need to do life by ourselves in order to prove to ourselves that we're capable. We can lean on people, whether it be our parents, whether it be our friends, whether it be our therapist, our personal trainer, people in our life that you're either paying or are part of your life by choice to, to be there for you because ultimately that's why these people exist. That's why these people are still around. That's why these people are in your life. And I had an amazing therapy session last week on Thursday. I usually go every two weeks, but I decided that I wanted to go every week at the moment. And I love my therapist, Gabby Balsells, who I'm going to also tag below because she has been foundational in helping me transform my life since last October. So about 12 months we've been working together. I've tried therapists from all over the world. Gabby is Guatemalan, but living in Mexico City. Uh, Sorry. Oh my gosh. Uh, has lived in Mexico City, um, is living in New York City now. And I have never been so grateful for a therapist in my life. She was introduced to me as a guest originally for my podcast. And I loved having her as a guest so much that I actually hired her as my own therapist. So you don't have to do these big changes alone. You don't have to hide in your cave. You don't have to retreat from seeing your friends or talking to family or speaking to your partner when you're going through a tough time. You can ask for help in these moments of breakdown, in these moments of hitting rock bottom, because the people in your life that care about you, care about you for a reason. And if they know that you're going through a hard time, they will show up for you. So let me just preface by saying that. Secondly, I just want to reflect back on when you start taking your health seriously, not just drinking and fitness and drug use or anything like that. And drug use doesn't need to be hard drugs. It could be weed. It could be cigarettes. It could be vaping. It could be anything, cocaine, hopefully not heroin or fentanyl or any of those things. It could even be prescription drugs. When you start taking your health seriously and telling yourself that you don't need those things, you don't need those things to numb out, to avoid your physical, emotional, mental, psychological, financial pain, 
you can do it with the support of your loving friends and family, with the support of professionals around you. There is a better way than just numbing out and going into your emotional cave and hiding from the reality of your life of some area that you feel insecure or unstable in. And this podcast episode is really touching on the four pillars of health, which are health, relationships, money, and career. And when we tap into health in one area, as I mentioned before, it does have a ripple effect into the other areas in your life, into what, you know, whether it's adding a spiritual practice, a morning routine, journaling, a meditation, going to yoga, spending time alone away from screen time to unwind and to get conscious with your breath again. It's so powerful how much of Uh, an impact that can have on the other areas of your life. And it's so funny because when I was at physio yesterday, my physiotherapist was assessing my injuries and I had acute pain all over my body, my neck. I got whiplash from my fall. Um, I've had severe injuries in my neck and shoulders before. So my body holds a lot of physical trauma in those areas and he was getting in there and getting, you know, needling and soft tissue and he taped my shoulder up And he asked me, he said, so how are you feeling emotionally? And I thought, whoa, that was a hard hitting question. I wasn't expecting my physiotherapist to ask me how I was feeling emotionally. And I was like, honestly, John, I am not doing great. So he showed me these breathing exercises to open and close the diaphragm and pushing out into your rib cage, not just so that you're breathing into your stomach and seeing it rise and fall, but actually pushing back into your low back and pushing your back against the, like the floor or the bed or whatever and lying with your knees up in the air so your legs are like on a couch basically and you're lying on your back on the floor. And, um, and deep breathing into your diaphragm so that your whole rib cage and stomach and belly and everything is opening and closing and really getting those deep breaths in because it can really help to manage anxiety. And it was amazing how quickly I felt it. And I'm somebody who takes medication for anxiety on a daily basis and for ADHD and, Obviously, when you hit rock bottom or when you're going through a really challenging phase, anxiety can be hard to manage and it can become very overwhelming. And then that's when people use escapism and coping mechanisms such as marijuana or alcohol or sleep, lots of different coping mechanisms out there. Um, And so it was really interesting to hear that all of these, again, all of these things are connected, right? Our breath can affect our anxiety and our anxiety affects our ability to have get up and go, or maybe we're using a coping mechanism. Then the coping mechanism affects our motivation in our career or how we show up if we're moody in our relationships, if we have lack of motivation within our finances, or maybe we're spending money as a way of coping as well. So that ripple effect is so important to be careful and mindful of. And Similarly, it can go the opposite way that if you do start improving one area of your life, you don't necessarily need to improve all of them at once. But if you choose one thing that's causing you the most stress right now, whether it be your health, your relationships, your finances, or your career, 
what is that one thing that is most prominent? And just from hearing me list off those four things, right away, one of them is going to jump off the page at you and you're going to be like, yep, it's my relationship or yep, it's my finances or yep, it's my career. So I encourage you to listen through every part of this episode to that one specific area so that you can start putting some things into practice about how you can improve that one area first and focus on that and watch how it has a ripple effect into the other three areas. So in my case, it was my health. And I had let that slide over the last year. I, If you look at me aesthetically, I would look healthy and everyone would be like, oh, be, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. You look great. But it's not about looking great. It's about feeling good. It's about feeling great. And I didn't feel good. I felt bloated. I felt like I was retaining a lot of water. I felt sleep deprived, even though I was getting seven and a half to eight hours a night. I was not exercising. I'm starting to feel soft and out of shape. So it's more of a feeling than a visual aesthetic, if that makes sense. So I started incorporating daily exercise as a way of transitioning my mind and getting that endorphin release from exercise rather than false sense of dopamine hits through, you know, um, uh, through either television or through drugs or through external factors that were beyond my control. And it's amazing how quickly that helped me snap out of this funk that I was in last week and how also taking a little hiatus from Instagram for the last few days, which I'm hoping to continue for the next little while and not putting a measure around it and saying I need to be off it completely, but just really being cognizant of my Instagram use and asking myself, what is the purpose of this post or what is the purpose of this story? Am I showing up for ego purposes and to show people what I'm doing because I want validation or because I want to be found as interesting or whatever it is? Or am I showing up because I genuinely want to add value to somebody's life and also to my own as a, as a secondary effect? So by doing that, I then had more time to start reading books. And I've started this book from one of my favorite authors. I've read almost all of her other books, uh, Gabrielle Bernstein. I'm reading her newest book called Happy Days, which she uh, um, wrote during the pandemic. And I personally think this is her best one. I don't think you need to read all her other ones if you do read this one. And Happy Days, I... I just love her stuff so much. I am almost halfway through this book and I'm not a good reader. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I should read more. Everyone says they should read more. It's about making time to do it. And I've started making time throughout the day as opposed to before I go to bed. And I find that taking a little time out from constantly looking at screens, from constantly scrolling before bed or watching television before bed, if we free up some of that time, we actually have a lot more time than we think to be able to pick up a book and teach ourselves something and also teach ourselves a way of disconnecting from the world and really being able to just sit with our feelings, sit with ourselves, and learn something new. Or maybe it's just a fiction book that you just read just for the sake of imagination. Whatever it is, um, choose 
your reason and start putting some of these practices into play because it can have a really calming effect on your nervous system, which it absolutely did for me. And I was able to put some of what she was talking about in her book directly into practice after starting to read it. So I started focusing on my health and immediately it started having an impact on how I felt about the relationships in my life, whether it be friendships, whether it be my mom, whether it be a potential partner, it immediately started giving me more sense of calm because it's like, oh, I don't need these other relationships to help me. I don't need these other relationships to, you know, be the reason that I'm happy, seeking happiness in other people. And, and I just want to clarify that there's a difference between leaning on people for support when you're going through a tough time, which I previously mentioned, versus seeking validation and happiness from an external source such as another person. So there's a differentiation between the two. And when you feel good about yourself, you will then be able to set better boundaries into the second pillar of health, which I'm going to now start talking about, which is relationships. Relationships, as we know, are probably one of the most challenging things that we have to deal with in our life because we have no control over the other person and their behavior. So this is something that I learned from a previous therapist is that when we are a person that has anxiety or that likes to control, often our relationships pillar is our uh, is our most challenging pillar because we have the least amount of control when it comes to relationships. We cannot decide what another person's thinking, how they're going to respond to our behaviors, how they're going to respond to our words how they're going to show up for us in a time of need. We have no control. It's completely in the hands of somebody else. And that can make it a really scary thing. But it can also be a really beautiful thing because if you do show up for yourself in a healthy and loving way, it is going to make other people more attracted to you. Other people want to be in your life because positivity breeds positivity. And if you are doing toxic traits yourself, then you're going to attract toxic people. If you are doing healthy traits and you're surrounding yourself with an environment of people that are also doing healthy things and that are on the same trajectory as you, then together you guys are going to be a dynamite duo and you're going to be able to, you know, kick big goals and communicate effectively and be loving and supportive of each other because everybody goes through hard times. Everybody goes through transitionary times where they need love and support from their friends or their family or their partner. And it's how you show up for yourself and for others that will ultimately attract the type of person that you want to be with. So in September, it can often put a strain on relationships because we go through this time of having fun together over the summer, going out drinking or partying or socializing, vacations, holidays, things like that, to all of a sudden, now we're back into work mode, grind mode, you know, being healthy, doing all of those things, and it can seem boring. So it can seem boring, it can seem monotonous, it can seem routine, but it's important that if you are in a relationship, and you do have a partner that 
whether you live with them or not, that you are consciously making time to spend quality time together. And quality time could be just watching a movie, but then putting your phones in the other room so that you're actually present with each other. Or it could be making a dinner at home. So if you're both on a health kick, maybe you're making dinner and having a home date night. Or you're doing something new, like going to the pumpkin patch together, or going on a mini road trip on the weekend and going for a hike. There are so many things that you can do with your partner that don't require a ton of time, don't require an expensive output of finances. You don't have to go away for the weekend or, you know, go out for some fancy dinner, but you can do lots of little things by showing your partner that you care about them and that you appreciate them while you're both getting back into hustle mode. So maybe make a list of things that you've always wanted to do or that you've thought of that would be a good idea to do with your partner that you know is either important to them, important to you, and sit down and have a discussion about this and say like, hey, what do we want to do this month? What's our monthly date night going to be or weekly or bi-weekly, whatever, whatever you guys choose for your relationship? What are you guys going to do this month, next month, and physically schedule it in? Because if you don't schedule it in, it's just not going to happen. Week after week, you're just going to get busy, and I hate that word, but it's also so relevant. It's like you just get busy, and you start making other things a priority. First it's work, then it's fitness, then it might be travel or work travel or dog or kids or whatever it is, and before you know it, the month has passed, and your partner is sitting on the sidelines, waiting, wishing, eager to spend time with you, eager to connect with you, and you haven't made them a priority. And this is ultimately how a lot of relationships start to fall apart is by not communicating and not making each other a priority when life happens. And life is always going to happen. And I know people kind of go all in in September. It's kind of like January where everybody wants to get themselves back on track and, you know, get back into the gym and start getting healthy again and blah, blah, blah. But Being healthy is also having a healthy relationship. Whether you are new to dating somebody, whether you live with them and are married with kids, making time and making your relationship a priority is going to be healthy for the both of you. So that leads to my next pillar, which is finances. And this is going to be a big one. Obviously, this is a financial podcast. It's not going to be super long and boring, I promise you, or maybe it will be, I don't know. But finances after the summer and going into fall and Christmas is a very, very important time to sit down and reassess your goals. So we know that the cost of living is getting exorbitant, the interest rates are going through the roof. People are really struggling financially who maybe never struggled before. You might be earning good money and you've just been like, holy crap, I can't afford to go out to eat. Or when I go out to eat, I'm being a lot more mindful of what I'm choosing to order. This is a phenomenon that we haven't really experienced in our generation before with the level of inflation go the way that it did after the pandemic. And inflation being the cost of everything going up. They say that the average inflation rate is like between 9 and 10% or whatever. But really, there are some areas that are much higher than that. If we look at groceries, if we look at the price of gas, the cost of rent, especially if you live in, a, in an urban city, 
All of these things have gone up well and truly above 10%, and people are finding it harder and harder to make ends meet. So this is even more of a reason to reassess your financial position, take your head out of the sand for the first time in however long, and start making adult decisions about your future. So you again, coming back to this ego piece, because I think that Ego can be our biggest killer. And if you do feel like ego might be something that you struggle with, there's a really good book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. I've read that book twice now and I've given it to like seven people. And if I've given it to them, they haven't been offended by it. It is such a transformational book, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. And I just want to say that like our ego holds us back in life so much. And I'm guilty of it. I know people listening to this podcast are guilty of it or you wouldn't even be here. But ego is one of those things where let's say you have to sell your expensive car and drive a piece of crap or drive something half as expensive for one or two years just so you can stop making car payments so that you're buying something that you can afford rather than something that is more of a status symbol. Or maybe you're getting a roommate and you're cutting your cost of your rent in half not only just your rent, but your bills, your electricity, your utilities, all of that. You're cutting it all in half. Or maybe you're moving back in with your parents. Maybe you are selling one of your cars if you're a household that has two cars and you can manage with only one. Sometimes it's a luxury to have two, right? People can plan ahead. There are other people out there that don't have any cars and they have children or they have one car between five people. So Where there's a will, there's a way. And sometimes you have to take two steps backward in order to take three steps forward. And I strongly, strongly believe that if you are struggling financially, there is a way to make your life cheaper. There is a way to bring in more money and it's your laziness and your procrastination that are holding you back because you know deep down that there is stuff in your house that you could sell. So I did this last night and I can be a bit notorious for saying, do as I say, not as I do, because I do have an expensive lifestyle. I do like nice things and I do love shopping, (laughs) but it can be one of those things where you look around and you're like, whoa, I have a lot of stuff. And this happened to me when I got my notice about having to move in December. I all of a sudden did a quick inventory of my house. Like what could I get rid of prematurely so that it's not such a big job because I absolutely hate moving. It's the thing that I hate doing the most. And what can I do in advance of moving in order to make my load easier when the time comes so it doesn't have a big impact on my personal life and my business? And one of the first things that I noticed was getting rid of clothing. And I have a ton of activewear. Most of it is like nine out of 10 condition and or or barely use some of it still has tags on it so there's whatever your thing is maybe you have collectibles that you don't care about anymore maybe you have a wine collection maybe you have an excessive amount of jackets or shoes or household things in your kitchen or electronics get rid of your old cell phones if you've got like a iphone 11 or older or an iphone 13 or something that you're not using anymore just get rid of it You don't need it. You don't need to have a backup phone. You don't need to have backup headphones. You don't need to have a backup camera or whatever it is that you're hanging on to. Just start getting rid of stuff. And it doesn't have to be this big, 
you to process. It's just like one by one, add it to Facebook marketplace, 50 bucks here, 20 bucks there. It all adds up before you know it. You're covering your monthly grocery bill just by getting rid of some stuff that you haven't even looked at in the last 12 to 18 months. So I strongly encourage you to do an inventory. And even if you're rich and listening to this, just get rid of stuff. It's really cathartic. It's good stress relief. It feels good to physically have more space and to get that one little niggling thing out of the way that you've just been like, oh, I never wear that jacket. Why do I even have it hanging here? Or it's too small. Just get rid of it, especially things that don't fit. Like you're in denial if you think that you're going to drop two sizes again back to your pre-COVID body. Just accept your new body and get rid of all your stuff that doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> I just did that recently. So I'm, I say this with, with um, wholeheartedly because last night I was practicing what I preached and I posted about 47 things on Facebook Marketplace. I was not in the mood to work. I was like, I just need to get some mental space and start making progress on this move. So I just sat down, I took photos of all this activewear and I posted it on Facebook. And then I give it, I've given myself a two week timeline that if it doesn't sell on Facebook, I'm going to take it to a consignment store, whatever doesn't sell at the consignment store. I'm going to tell the consignment store that they can donate it out of sight, out of mind. I did this when I left Australia. I got rid of like seven garbage bags full of stuff. And honestly, to this day, I still could not tell you one piece of thing that was in any of those bags. So you will not miss it. And if you do miss it, well, guess what? You can always rebuy something. So get rid of that hoarder scarcity mentality, get rid of things. And if you need another winter jacket, you can always go buy another winter jacket. I personally love going to vintage stores. I love going to secondhand stores. They have such quality stuff and I know how picky they are because they reject half of my stuff if it's not up to their standard. So if you are looking for something that you're like, oh, I would love another leather jacket or denim jacket or whatever, go and have a look at consignment because people get rid of beautiful things all the time and you can get stuff for like a quarter or a third of its original retail value. So that is one thing, especially coming into a different season. I know that me personally, it's so easy to just be like, oh, I need a new jacket. I need new boots. I need new this, that. But if you go and look for things that are secondhand, not only are you saving yourself money, you're also saving the environment. You're also recycling. It's just like what goes around comes around. And then maybe you're saying every time you bring something into your wardrobe, something else has to go out. So new jacket comes in old jacket goes out, new boots come in, old boots go out and you get the idea. Another thing when it comes to finances is getting back on track after the summer spending period. It's absolutely no surprise that credit card balances are through the roof in September and most people don't pay them off in full every month. So what my suggestion to you is that look at your credit card balance See how much of it you can pay down before your billing cycle ends so that you have a lower balance on your billing cycle. That way, if you aren't paying it off in full, you're at least paying less interest. Because if you have, for example, a $5,000 credit card balance and your billing cycle ends on September 15th, you will have to pay that $5,000 off by roughly the first week of October. So let's say October 9th, you have to pay that $5,000 off. But if you pay it down to 4,000, 
then the interest is calculated on the $4,000. So if you're not able to make your full payment of $4,000 by October 9th, you're at least paying less interest. And you should always, always, always be paying at least your minimum payment in order to keep your credit score in good health. But paying, if you're, let's say you have $1,000 in your bank and you're like, oh, should I put this money on my credit card before the 15th of the month or after the 15th of the month? After the 15th of the month, it's obviously going to count towards your balance, your minimum payment. But it's not going to reduce the interest amount. It is only going to count towards your minimum payment. However, if you put that $1,000 down before the 15th of the month and you're not able to pay the full balance, it will reduce your interest payment. So you will have less to pay, which means you can put more towards the minimum payment and ultimately it will cost you less money. So I hope that made sense. If it didn't, go back and re-listen rewind it, you know, 30 seconds or whatever it is and chip away at your highest interest rate first. And I've got a destroy your debt course coming next week, which I'm so excited about. I've been working on it all summer and a new how to increase your income through passive income next week. And also how to invest in your first rental or the, that was not totally not the right thing, how to invest in your first property is also coming next week. So I can't wait to share that guys, share that with you guys. But in the meantime, how can you reduce your debt as much as possible? Paying off in lump sums before you spend all your paycheck. So when the money comes in, immediately allocate a percentage to your credit card, to your savings account, to all of your bills, then you can spend whatever is left over. But you must pay yourself first. And paying yourself first means putting money aside for rent, putting your money aside for, or mortgage, whatever you, if you own or, or rent. So putting money aside for your rent, putting money aside for your mortgage, putting money aside for utilities, which you should have a rough idea of what that costs you every month, or your car payments, or interest payments, whatever. Any of your fixed payments, so no matter what you do in a month, those payments are going to stay roughly the same. You're putting that money aside first. Then you're saying, what do I want to add on top of that? So maybe your minimum payment on your credit card is $120, and you're going to go, okay, this month I'm committing to paying $300, and I'm going to stop using it and living off your bank account rather than your credit card so you're not racking it back up again because there's no sense in putting 300 on it and then racking it back up another 300 that's not getting out of debt that's just using it as a as a payment vehicle right so we're 300 we're paying it off we're not using it anymore and then maybe we say and we're going to put 150 dollars into savings so we go okay $150 goes into our external savings account. It's even better if that savings account is out of sight, out of mind with another bank. Because if it's attached to your daily banking accounts, it's so much easier to just be like, oh yeah, it's somebody's birthday this weekend. I'm just going to transfer that $150 back and use it for the bar. I'll save money next week or next paycheck. If it's out of sight, out of mind, and you have to physically transfer it back and wait for 24 hours for it to clear in your existing bank or whatever it's much more of a hurdle for you to spend that money than it is if you just do an e-transfer from one account to the other, right? So I strongly encourage that if you have a rubber arm when it comes to saving money and you feel like you're not good at it, open a bank account and it should not cost you money. There are lots of free online banking 
platforms now that you don't have to pay a monthly fee for, and you can put it into a high interest savings account, which might have between a two and four and a half percent interest rate, which means that your money is starting to make money for you while it's sitting there. And that's going to be your emergency cash buffer. So an emergency cash buffer is really used for emergencies only. It is if your car breaks down and needs a massive repair. It is if your landlord kicks you out and now you need to put a down payment on another property before you get your old one back. Or maybe you need to help with a medical bill for somebody in your family. This is not an emergency like you didn't plan properly for Tom and Susie's wedding in October and you need to dip into that account to buy your dress and your shoes and your travel. This is emergencies only. And start to build that up. And everybody says, what's the number that you should have in your emergency account? And I always say three months worth of your fixed expenses. Now, obviously that's very hard to do, but if you do have peace of mind, let's say your fixed expenses are $3,000 a month and your total expenses, including entertainment and whatnot, are $5,000 a month, $3,000 a month times three months is $9,000. $9,000 is sitting tucked away in your emergency cash savings account. And people get disheartened and think, well, I don't have $9,000. I, ba- I barely make ends meet. Okay, we'll start small. If you can only put $50 a paycheck away into your savings account, that's still better than nothing because over time, that $50 will double to 100, then it will go to 150, then it'll go to 200. Maybe you're earning a little bit of interest in that account. It takes time to build that emergency cash buffer, but you have to start somewhere. You have to have some sort of cash vehicle that you can draw on in the case of emergencies, because as we've seen over the last three years, there will always be something that you're gonna need it for. So it's better to be prepared and assume that there will always be an emergency. You will always need to tap into it at some point. So you're better off building it slowly rather than waiting until the emergency happens, being in a complete pinch and then stressing yourself out financially because you can't make it work, okay? So the next thing is if your finances are something that are causing you stress, and if this is your one area that you're like, I need to focus on this the most, start taking action with it. And it's one step in front of the other, just like putting $50 a paycheck into savings. If you need to learn about how to get out of debt, take a debt management course. If you need to learn how to increase your income, start researching multiple streams of income, how to create passive income, get a second job. Maybe you go back to bartending, put the ego aside and start doing anything to try and fix this position. And it can be starting small. It could be, I don't know, dog walking on weekends for 20 bucks an hour. Whatever it is that you can do to pull yourself out of this financial funk and to get yourself a few more bucks in your pocket is going to help you in the long run. It will have a compounding effect, meaning it will have a snowball effect on every other aspect of your life because once you start to have more financial freedom and reduce your financial stress and pressure, It will again change that ripple effect of how you show up in your health, in your relationships, and in your career. So 
investing in yourself, people say, well, why would I spend money taking a money course? Isn't that contradictory? If you can learn something in a money coaching course, whether it be a virtual course, working with a financial coach, whatever, that could change the way you make decisions about money for the rest of your life, ask yourself this, was it worth it? Was it worth spending the $1,000 or the $5,000 or the $99 to learn about one thing that you didn't know about money that can have a snowball effect onto the rest of your life? And I want you to sit with that for a minute because look back at all the dumb things you've spent money on over the last 12 to 18 months. Drinking, drugs, new phones, new cars, you know, chips and dip at the at the grocery store that you didn't need to buy or some sort of quick fix that you that you use as a coping mechanism to numb your pain of your financial stress and pressure rather than if you added all that money up and said, "Okay, what what was my vice? Maybe you're a snacker. Maybe you go to the grocery store and you buy lots of snacks." How much money have you spent on snacks in the last 12 to 18 months? And had you cut that out, no, you would also be healthier and fitter, but you would also have a ton more money in your pocket. So maybe that was $1,800 in snacks. And people say, oh, we can't afford things. No, we choose not to afford things because there are always areas in your life that you can make sacrifices, whether it be small and large, of areas that you can cut back or increase your income, picking up an extra shift at work, etc., to change your financial position. And this is what is real financial responsibility. This will also have an impact on the next pillar and the final pillar of this podcast, which is your career. If you are miserable in your career, the biggest piece of advice that I can give to you is Start looking for another freaking job. What are you waiting for? I've worked for bosses in the past that I hated. And I was like, oh, but I just need more experience. I just need to get some credibility on my resume. I just needed this. I just needed that. There's always reasons that you can make excuses. You could be close to a promotion. You could be like, well, I don't want to waste all those years of hard work building myself up. For the right employer, if you are a quality employee, if you show up on time, if you do your work, if you demonstrate responsibility and ethics and reliability and self-motivation in whatever you do, then you deserve to be paid and treated appropriately. So get on LinkedIn, look at jobs, look at whatever your job search platform is. If you feel like you have more potential than what you're currently doing, this podcast is your sign to pull your thumb out of your butt and start taking action to finding a career that actually lights you up and that actually gets you out of bed and gets you excited in the morning not thinking, oh my God, tomorrow's Monday. I would rather die than go into my work and see my stupid boss. He's going to yell at me and then not sit in all these pointless meetings where I don't add any value and then not have enough time to get my work done. And then I get in trouble because I'm not hitting my KPIs. Like, duh, if you feel this way, it's time to make a change. If you are numbing out on weekends because you hate your job, That is not health. That is not the four pillars of 
living a fruitful life. Your career is a a third or more of your life that you need to feel excited about, that you need to feel inspired. And not every day and not every task is going to feel this way, but it is going to be one of the most fundamental attributors to how you feel about yourself in the other three pillars based on how you show up in that one third of your life. Do you get excited? Are you learning? Are you progressing? Do you have a good relationship with your coworkers? These are all things that have an equal importance to the way that you feel about your career than how much you get paid. How much you get paid is a dollar on the page. We could go work doing some shitty job and get paid a ton of money, but are we happy? Does it, is it fulfilling? Is it something that gives us energy or is it something that takes our energy? So I want you to keep this in mind when you're reassessing these four pillars of what does wellness look like to me? What does health and happiness look like to me? And which one of these four pillars is the one that is dragging you down the most? Is it your health? Is it your relationship? Is it your money? Or is it your career? And focus in on that and just choose that one pillar for now to regain your focus, regain your sense of self, rebuild your relationship with yourself, be okay to be uncomfortable and sit with those uncomfortable feelings of, oh my God, I have really let myself go this year. I went a little too crazy on my insert spending, health, drinking, relationships, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm making the conscious decision to move forward in the right direction in this particular area, because I know that when I focus on my insert, your biggest problem area, that it will have a ripple effect into all other aspects of my life. Okay. Sit with that. When I focus on my problem area, it will have a ripple effect into every other aspect of my life. I will be happier. I will be more motivated. I will feel better. I will sleep better. I will be a better partner. I will be a better parent. I will be a better child. Whatever it is, you know deep down that there is one area that you are hiding from, that you are not taking action from because you feel shame about neglecting it. You feel shame about going over the deep end with that one thing. And it's time to rein it all back in. It's time to look yourself in the mirror, say, I got this and I don't have to do it alone. You might listen to this podcast, you might save it, you might share it with a friend, and you might come back to it in another month and say, oh my God, she was so right. Once I fixed that one area of my life, it all of a sudden had an impact on all the other areas of my life. So I really, really hope that this podcast episode resonated with you. It is something that I have been journaling about and thinking about for the last few weeks and been in denial about. I mean, I haven't recorded a podcast in six months and podcasting was something that I was hiding from because I felt like I didn't have anything to give to my audience. I felt like I was in my own, my own journey this year, my own self re self discovery or whatever you want to call it. And when we hide, we are 
we are putting our gift in a box and every person out there has a gift and you are hiding your gift from the world when you hide, when you numb out, when you use coping mechanisms like drug and alcohol or porn addiction or not exercising or isolating yourself. When you hide from the world, you are hiding your gift and that is selfish because the people in your life that care about you, whether it's your therapist, whether it's your mom, whether it's your partner, your kids, they need you. They need you around. They need you to be the best version of yourself. And the only person that is going to be able to make you the best version of yourself is you. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you are new to this podcast, please scroll through the other episodes. There are some amazing episodes in there, both solo episodes and interviews. And if you felt like this really resonated and hit home, I love feedback. One of my favorite things is reading messages from people, hearing that they listen to a podcast. I have no idea who listens to these. It's not like Instagram or Facebook where people can leave comments or like it or, you know, whatever. There's no comment section. So if you did love this podcast, please, please reach out to me, share it on social media, tag me at makethatmoney.honey, H-U-N-N-I. And until next time, I'm hoping to drop another podcast in once a week. I've decided I'm not going to do interviews for the time being. I just want to show up authentically. I'm doing my own editing because I just want to simplify my life right now, dropping in a intro, dropping an outro and getting it live for you guys so that you can get it as fast as possible. Thank you so much. Check out the description if you want to check out any of those books or links that I discussed in this podcast. And until next time, I hope you guys have an amazing final quarter of 2023 and stay in touch. Thank you so much and have a great night. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey.